that he is a God of love, that he is a God of grace, he is a God of mercy, he is a God of compassion, and he shows all of that to us in so many different ways throughout our lives, but especially as we have already remembered this morning, he has demonstrated who he truly is in his son Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I hope that our minds are on spiritual things, that our minds are on our great God this morning as we have sung together, as we have approached his throne of mercy and grace and prayer together, as we have gathered around the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together, and now as we spend a few moments opening his word together. If you have your New Testament with you this morning, I would invite you to open to the Gospel of Luke and to the passage that our brother Todd read for us a moment ago in Luke chapter 18. Uh, That will be our text of discussion and study this morning. Luke chapter 18 opens with Jesus telling two parables about prayer. The first of those parables you might remember is the parable of what we often describe as the persistent widow and a woman who uh, needed some legal help and was in uh, great need and she went to this judge that didn't care anything about doing what was right in the sight of God or of men, but because of her persistence, this judge finally says, I'll give her what she is asking for so that she will just leave me alone, that she will not bother me again. And the second of these parables about prayer is the one that we're going to consider this morning. It is the parable that we often describe as that of the Pharisee and the publican or the tax collector. This parable, I believe, teaches us certainly about prayer, but I think as we will look at it together this morning that the greater lesson here is not so much about our prayers to God, but it is about our attitudes toward God and the attitudes that we have one toward another. And so as we look at the parable that is given to us here in Luke chapter 18, I want us to learn some lessons this morning from these two men and their two prayers. As we begin to think about this parable, we begin at verse 9. And we have stated for us here, Luke does, tells us why Jesus told this particular parable on this particular occasion to the audience that was gathered around him. Luke 18 and verse 9 again, the text says, And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. We know all throughout the Gospels, don't we, that Jesus at some point in his ministry began to teach the people in parables. And as best I can tell, the first of those parables is what we call the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils. And his disciples, after telling that parable, came to him and said, why are you speaking to the people in parables now? Uh, Maybe why have you kind of changed your way to communicate with them? And Jesus tells them that they can understand in parables. And he was wanting to make uh, some great spiritual truths and applications to them understood better to the masses of people. And so as Jesus taught in parables, as he taught in any kind of form or setting or by any means, that he was always teaching with a purpose in mind. He was always teaching, I think, with a goal in mind, with his audience in mind. What does this audience that is gathered around Jesus on a particular occasion, what do they most need to hear right now? And so it is, I believe, with this parable of the Pharisee and the publican, that on this occasion, Luke tells us here in verse 9, why Jesus spoke this particular parable at this time. And 
who we might say his, quote, target audience was. There might have been a number of people, as was often the case, a great multitude of people that had gathered to listen to Jesus speak, to observe his miracles, maybe to touch his garments, just to have a word or two of conversation with him. But in that greater audience, perhaps, that may have been assembled here, I believe there was a target audience, and it is given to us here in verse 9. He was speaking directly, specifically, to people, Luke says, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, self-righteous people, and other people who viewed others with contempt. They looked down upon those who are around them. And in comparing themselves to everybody else, they said, I am a righteous person, but nobody else really could meet that righteousness that I have attained to. While there may have been a number of people in Christ's time who fit this description, just as we can probably think of a number of people in our day that we could describe as being self-righteous people, people who think better of themselves in relation to others, people who are in the habit of putting down others so that they can some way exalt themselves, I believe Jesus was telling this parable primarily to those who were the Pharisees. And we're going to see that here, I think, a little bit more clearly in just a moment. Well, there are two men, aren't there, that are identified for us in this particular parable. And while it is interesting to me when you come to verse 10 that Jesus says in beginning this parable that two men went up into the temple to pray. And so while both of these men that we're going to discuss here this morning, they went to the temple to pray at the same time, I would suggest to you that that's about where the the, the connection between these two men ends. <laughs> that, that's about the extent of the thing that they had in common, that they both went up into the temple to pray. Because what Jesus says to us next about the Pharisee and then about the tax collector, that these are to two totally different men. They have two totally different mindsets about themselves, about God, about life, about what they are in need of or not in need of. So let's look, first of all, at what Jesus says to us about this man that was the Pharisee. We know something about the Pharisees, don't we? We know that they were a small, relatively small uh, Jewish sect, that they were religious leaders who kind of made up this uh, sect or division of Judaism, if you will. They often looked at themselves as being the only ones who were correctly practicing God's law. They were the only ones who really understood the, the full import or the full interpretation, if you will, or understanding of God's law. And they kind of looked at everybody else like, well, they don't understand what God is saying. They are sinners in essence. I think you can see that on display in a lot of cases throughout the Gospels. But I'm thinking right now of John chapter 9 and the blind man. And they came to him as he was called before their audience on several occasions. They say, you're a sinner. You were born blind and you're telling us, you're instructing us about God's law. We are the ones who really know what God has said. We are the ones who really understand what this means. And hence, I would say to you that the description that Luke just gave us there in verse 9 really fits the Pharisee of this parable quite well. In fact, if you turn back a couple of pages in your Bible, here staying in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 16, in a different discussion, as Jesus was telling a different parable here, 
Luke makes the observation to us there at verse 14 of Luke chapter 16 that the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. They were scoffing. They were making fun of Jesus as he was speaking these truths. And he said to them in verse 15, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Here is Jesus saying, you are people who have just gotten to the point where you're comparing yourselves to others rather than to God. You're looking at other Jews and you're saying, well, I'm so much better than they are. I know the law is so much better and I keep the law so much more perfectly than they do. Rather than being concerned about how God viewed them, they were more concerned about how others were viewing them. And so as we come back to this little parable that we are considering today, here is this man in the parable, a Pharisee. And he is one who is looking at himself and thinking, I'm righteous. And then looking at others and thinking, they're not very righteous. In stark contrast to that, though, the second man of this parable is the publican. He is the tax collector. Brother Paul Earnhardt put, put together a book several years ago on the parables of Jesus. We, you might be familiar with uh, the book that he put together on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, that, that's kind of what he is well known for. But he has done some other work on other parts of the scriptures. And I have bought that little book and have used it from time to time. But he made this observation in that book about the public. And he said this, that the publican was part of a heartily despised group of infamous Jews who had, quote, sold out to collect taxes from the Roman invaders and having provided the revenue which their contract with Rome required, they characteristically enriched themselves further by mercilessly squeezing the people for even more. What he's saying to us there about kind of the general uh, idea or the stereotype, if you will, which seemed to generally be true about publicans or tax collectors is that they were Jews, but they were working for Rome. So that kind of put them in the category of being despised among most Jews, that they were working with whom the Jews saw, saw many times as being their enemy, those who were persecuting them and holding them down. But as they went about the job of collecting taxes for Rome, they would kind of put some money in their own pocket and they would line their own pockets and they would advance themselves financially. And it seemed to be a very common practice that that really wasn't looked down upon at least as far as the tax collectors were concerned, but as far as the Jews who were paying taxes, they of course didn't like that as we would not like that today. And so we have an example of this, even in this very gospel of Luke from which we are reading this parable this morning over in chapter 19, a man named Zacchaeus. Verses one and two says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He seemed to have fit the stereotype here that he was one who was not just collecting the amount of tax money that the Jews owed to the Roman government, but he was collecting more than that and keeping it for himself. Verse 7, as he has a conversation with Jesus, when they saw it, those who were the religious leaders saw what Jesus was doing as he called Zacchaeus to come down out of the tree and he would go to his house that day and converse with him. They all began to grumble saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Here is Zacchaeus, and he is a man that 
fits the mold, if you will. He is a man who has this reputation that he has become rich off the backs of his own people, the Jews, and he has not been honest with them. It's a whole other lesson to talk about Zacchaeus there in Luke 19 and the lessons that we can learn from that because I think they are many. But this is the kind of man that Jesus is talking about here in this parable in Luke 18. In the Gospels, as we just read here from Luke chapter 19 about Zacchaeus, tax collectors are often grouped with sinners. They are often grouped with Gentiles. They are often grouped with harlots or prostitutes. They they do not share or enjoy a, a good company at all in the sight of their fellow Jews. And so as we think about, as we know from the Gospels what most of the Pharisees were like, as we know from the Gospels what most of the publicans or tax collectors were like, As we're looking here in this particular parable about the Pharisee and the publican, as we're looking at these two men at this point, we might conclude to ourselves, well, neither one of them really is worthy of our imitation. I mean, we don't want to be a self-righteous snob, do we? Who looks down on other people and trusts in ourselves and our own righteousness rather than trusting in the righteousness that comes through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, we don't want to be a dishonest person. We don't want to be someone who is cheating and and stealing from our own people to advance ourselves. And we might think on the surface where there's really no spiritual lesson that I can learn from either the Pharisee or the publican. But I want us to take a closer look at these two men as we now think about the two prayers that they prayed. Here from verses 11 and 12, Jesus goes on to describe the two prayers. First of all, of the Pharisee. He says that the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all that I get. To say that this man's prayer was not much of a prayer, (laughs) I think is really an understatement. It has always been interesting to me, at least for a a number of years, that uh, Luke records the words of Jesus saying here at verse 11 that the Pharisee stood, the tax collector again at verse 13, as we'll get to in a moment, was standing. So I guess they had that particular thing in common as well. But at least as the New American Standard describes what is next, it says that the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. No, there is no praise for God's greatness here in this man's prayer. There is no acknowledgement of his own unworthiness. He does not acknowledge who the creator is. He does not acknowledge himself as being the created. There is no asking request for God's grace to be upon him, for God to be merciful to him, for God to show forgiveness to him. There is really no mention of his need for God at all. This prayer is all about himself, isn't it? (laughs) And he is reminding God as if God really needs reminding of how good and great and how wonderful, many, many wonderful things that he has done for God and how almost blessed God is to have him as one of his servants. This Pharisee's prayer again was all about himself, what he had done, how righteous he was, especially compared to sinners and like this publican that's over here praying. He was one, as we just read back there in verse 9, he was one who was viewing others with contempt, not viewing others with compassion. 
And again, although Jesus does say, at least in the first word of this prayer, that he addressed these words to God, (laughs) I'm thinking that surely his prayer went no higher than himself. Because again, he was standing there praying to himself. His, His prayer was all about me, me, me. And since he spoke this prayer in a public place as he is here in the temple, perhaps it is the case that he was praying for show, that he was just praying, hoping that there were people, other Jews who were watching him and other Jews that would be so impressed with the things that he was saying here in his prayer to God. This is something that the Pharisees often did, whether this man of this parable uh, was doing this or not. Of course, it it is a parable and we have to keep that in mind. But Matthew chapter 6, I think there is something that is of importance that is said to us here about the Pharisees and about how we should pray in our prayers to our Father. In Matthew chapter 6 at verse 1, Jesus gives this warning. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And Jesus gives some examples there of how we help those who are poor, those who are in need, how we can pray, how we can fast. But notice what he says specifically to prayer at verse 5 beginning. Jesus says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Who were the hypocrites? Well, it could be anyone, but often Jesus took that terminology and identified those as being the Pharisees and the scribes, right? Here in Matthew Matthew's gospel over in chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. But verse 5, he says, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus here in Matthew 6 was warning his audience and warning us today that even as we are people who are trying to follow him, we're trying to live righteous lives. We're trying to live holy lives as we talked about last Sunday morning. But as we are openly practicing our righteousness, I don't don't see anything in these instructions in Matthew 6 that Jesus says, you need to be secret disciples of mine. You need to go into a, a hole in the ground and just close the door and nobody knows that you are a follower of mine. But as we are openly practicing our righteousness in, the, in our lives, in the world each day, which includes our prayers, Jesus is instructing us here to do so to receive God's attention, not to receive our fellow man's attention. And it could very well be the case as Jesus is telling this parable about this Pharisee, as the Pharisees often did, that here he is at the temple. <laughs> he may have known that there were a lot, lot of Jews that would be in and out of this place, very public place. And he may have been wanting others to know how great he was. At the very least, he wanted God <laughs> to be reminded of how great he was. And that was his prayer. But then we come back to this parable back in Luke 18 and we have described for us here the publican's prayer. And Jesus says to us about this man at verse 13 that the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Again, like the Pharisee, this man was offering his prayer in a public place. He is here in the temple to pray. But unlike the Pharisee, his prayer, it seems to me, was truly directed toward God. 
It was spoken to receive God's attention, not the attention of his fellow Jews that may have been going in and out of the temple at this particular point. Also, as we mentioned earlier, like the Pharisee, here is the tax collector standing as he is praying to God. But as he is praying, Jesus says he doesn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. He doesn't even turn his eyes heavenward toward God. But he is standing there in the temple beating his breast. It is an obvious recognition of who he is and who God is, that he is unworthy to even approach God in prayer, to even utter the name of God in prayer. He is unworthy to approach his creator because he knows very much who he is. But he also knows very much who God is. This man's prayer is very brief, isn't it? I mean, his prayer is very much to the point of things that were weighing on his mind at this particular point. And so it seems to me that he comes to God with the right attitude. He reverently acknowledges God. Here is a man who is honestly and humbly admitting who he was, that he was a sinner. Here is a man who is begging, he is pleading, he is falling before the feet of our great God and he is begging for God's mercy to forgive him. He's not trying to sugarcoat who he is as if that's going to work with God anyway. But he just lays it out there in the open and says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Remember again who this man likely was. This is one who probably had taken advantage of his fellow Jews through bribery, through deception, through greed. Here is a man, as he looked at himself, who knew that he desperately needed God. And only the mercy and grace and forgiveness that God could show to cleanse his heart and his life of sin. And he is showing, I believe, that desperation in this very short prayer. He is not pulling any punches with God. He is just very simply, humbly, honestly asking for God's compassion to be upon him because he is a sinner. I believe we too, when we look at ourselves honestly, realize that we desperately need God. As children of God or not children of God, that we all desperately need God in our life. And so as his children, as we approach him in prayer, we must be people who are like this publican. We must come with this attitude of contrition. We must be those who are crushed in spirit. We must be those who are sad over our sins, that we are grieving over our sins. We must be people who are truly humble in heart, that we are not coming with this boastful, arrogant, egotistical attitude that the Pharisee was praying to God. And Jesus, I believe, tells us all of that at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and what we normally call the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, we remember, I think, how the Beatitudes open. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. He's saying we have to come and be humble before God. We have to truly be crushed inside in our spirit. We have to truly be sad, mourning over our sins. Because we realize who we are and who God is. And how much we have fallen short of his glory. And how much we have failed him. And this publican did that very thing. As he approached our great God in prayer. And so really that leads us I think to the point of the parable. Which 
Jesus gives us at the very end here in Luke 18 and verse 14, when he says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here is Christ's point in telling the parable. Whatever else we can get out of this parable, here is the main point that he is trying to get across to the Pharisees, that God justifies the humble and the contrite in heart, but God also humbles those who have exalted themselves and he exalts those who have humbled himself in his presence and before their fellow man. That God is taking notice of who we are. God is taking notice of the decisions that we make in our life. God is taking notice of the words that come from our lips. God is taking notice of the attitude that we display before him and before our fellow man. You see, I think the Pharisees' fundamental problem here in this little parable was not so much with prayer, but his problem really was with pride. And like anything else, his, his prayer was just merely serving as a conduit or an avenue for what was already in his heart, that, that pride, that ego, to come out and to be seen. Just as much as the publican's prayer that we can see that there was humility in his heart <laughs> because that's what came out in his words as he communicated to his God. Jesus said something about this very thing when we turn to the gospel of, of Matthew once again in chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, let's listen to the words of Jesus here as we close our lesson this morning. Beginning at verse 33. Jesus says there, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. If we are humble or if we are prideful before God and other people, it's going to be seen. It is going to be seen. We might be able to hide that for a little while, but it's going to come out eventually. It will be seen in our prayers. And not just the words that we say, but the attitude that we have as we approach God in prayer. It will certainly be seen in our lives in every facet of who we are and what we do from day to day. And therefore, we need to be people, as Jesus was saying here in Matthew 12, we need to be people who are getting our hearts right. So that our words will be right, so that our attitudes will be right and our actions will be right. Our lives will follow what is truly in our heart, that will come out. And so we see it here in this little parable. In the prayers that these two men offered, that one was a prayer of humility, while the other was very much a prayer of pride. The lesson for us then, something that we can take away, that we can think about this, the rest of this day and the rest of this week, is this, that as we strive to serve God, as we are people who are striving to do His will, we must do so as this publican did. We must do so with an ever-present recognition of our unworthiness compared to the greatness of God. And we must do so with an ever-present need that we have for His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness and His strength that we need to recognize who we are and we need to recognize 
that it is only because of God's grace that we are who we are. Let us never have the attitude of the Pharisee to say, I'm great. But let us have the attitude of the publican to say, I'm a sinner. I am in need of God's forgiveness. What about you this morning? Where do you stand with God? What is your condition before him? If you're not a child of God this morning, you're not right with him. You're not counted among his precious chosen people, but you can be this very day. You can come, and it takes a lot of humility. It takes us swallowing our pride many times to admit to God, much less to admit to other people that we are wrong. We have been wrong. We have been going down the wrong path. But would we have the humility of heart like the tax collector to say, I'm the sinner? Would you not humble yourself before God and have that contrite heart? Would you come this morning confessing your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and turning away from your sinful, selfish lifestyle and giving yourself fully and completely to Him? Would you not come this morning and be baptized, buried with Christ in the waters of baptism and start anew, walk in newness of life from here on out? As a child of God, what is your condition before God? Where do you stand with Him? Are you showing humility as you live before Him? Are you really showing dependence upon Him and, and submitting your will to His? Or have you gotten a little bit selfish? Has that ego gotten a little bit too big to where you think, like this Pharisee did, I'm, I'm doing all these great things for God. Certainly I, de I deserve to be rewarded for that. The Bible tells us that pride goes before fall. We need to take heed to that, to that warning. And it could be that your pride has caused you to sin against your great God this morning. If you need to take care of that between you and him, won't you do that? Or if you need to make that known among this group of his people this morning, we would be happy to pray with you and pray for you and to help you, encourage you, to strengthen you in any way that we can so that you can walk upright before him. It may just be that you're struggling with, with this very issue that all of us struggle with from time to time. And you need the help and encouragement of your brethren here. However, we can be of help to you as we stand and sing this invitation song. Think about those things, and if you need to respond, won't you do that now?